Hello, Disciple Makers Podcast listeners. I want to invite you to the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum here in Nashville, Tennessee on October 5th and 6th. Jesus had a strategy, a plan, and a roadmap for making disciples. In other words, he was highly intentional. He guided, coached, and developed his disciples into full-on disciple makers, and by living out the Great Commission, they changed the entire world. We're constantly gaining new insight about intentional discipleship as we look closely at Jesus. And if we're thoughtful and prayerful, we can apply many of those same practices today. So head on over to discipleship.org to buy your tickets for the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum. I look forward to seeing you there. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast. This is Dave Stovall, your host. I'm so glad you're joining with me today. We've been working our way through the, all the track sessions from last year's forum. Today's episode is track session number three, and actually the final track session from Exponential. Wow, It's been so good. If you haven't listened to their track sessions one and two, please skip back to the previous two episodes because it has been awesome stuff. And today we've got Myron Pierce and he gave some fantastic stuff as well about multiplication versus addition. Talking about multiplying the disciples in your community versus trying to just add people to our church. That makes sense. So anyways, let's go ahead and dive in. This is Myron Pierce from Exponential at last year's National Disciple Making Forum. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Um, who's awake besides me not being awake? I was, I was, tell me your name again. I was telling Stephanie, a shameless, transparent moment. Um, I got a call from my wife this morning at 730 and slobber was still, um, coming off my face in my hotel room. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. That would have been embarrassing if I didn't make it anyway. Um, let's pray. And then I want to have my friend Jason um, come up and share a little bit about um, who he is. He works with Exponential and a uh, couple announcements for Exponential coming up. All right. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And man, just for brothers and sisters uh, in the room, just to be here to to really have dialogue and conversation around this idea of, of hero making. Father, thank you for Dave Ferguson and uh, his work to set the stage for a conversation like this today. So be with us, encourage us, and uh, help we help us uh, walk away with something that we can sink our teeth into. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Jason Stewart. I'm the COO at Exponential, and just honored to, to welcome you and to have Myron here just uh, kind of unpack one of our core frameworks for Exponential of Hero Maker. I don't know if you know much about Exponential, um, but we are uh, a community of like-minded church leaders around the idea of church multiplication. A lot of people know us by our conferences, but really we're a, a community with a common cause to advance church multiplication so that it would be the normative measure of success in the U.S. church because as you probably realize and as we see most uh, church leaders today measure success by addition, you know, and all the acronyms, ABCs and the three Bs and all those things. 
And probably like you, we are uh, white hot focused that we know if we're going to make a dent in uh, the American culture for the gospel, that church multiplication, meaning disciples making disciples that lead to more church members mobilized for mission where they live, work, study, and play so that more churches can be started is what's really going to move the needle for the gospel in America. We're seeing that move where several years ago it was 4%. Today, um, through some research we did, it's at 7%, and we're trying to move that to a tipping point of 16% and beyond. And so some of the ways we do that is we convene church leaders at conferences, but really we provide thought leadership around the critical conversation of church multiplication um, to help church leaders like you in the trenches uh, be a reproducing leader and reproducing churches. And so Myron, for us, is one of the leaders that we hold up as a practitioner who is in the trenches as a hero maker, as he's going to unpack in a minute of what it looks like to be a reproducing leader, but also lead a reproducing church. And so we're privileged to partner with Outreach Magazine. Every year we publish a list of 100 reproducing churches in America, not the top 100. We're not like counting attendance and things like some of those other lists do, but we are just highlighting at least 100 churches every year who are focused on multiplying disciples and multiplying churches. Myron leads one of those churches in, uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, and, and is planting churches and making disciples. And so if you want to learn how your church can take steps forward in being a reproducing church, I want to encourage you to go to reproducingchurches.org. That's one of our websites. There's an assessment there, and you can kind of assess where your church is and help get some next steps. I, would, I want to invite you to our next, what we call our global conference in Orlando every year. It's going to be in March, um, the second week of March in sunny, warm Orlando, Florida. There's going to be about 5,000 plus church multiplication leaders there, um, and Myron will be there. Um, so you get to hang out with him some more, and we will be uh, deep diving into or extending our conversation on church multiplication that we get to steward every year. But this year, it's the, the theme is empowered, and it's a moving with the Spirit, because we know if we're going to see a movement for the gospel with disciple-making, it begins with the Holy Spirit. Our friends, discipleship.org, will be there leading tracks as well. And so just want to invite you, There's, um, I think there's a rate deadline next week or in two weeks. So go to exponential.org, 2022-2022, and you can find out more information about that. But just grateful that you guys are here. Dig in with Myron. He's going to uh, blow your minds here. Myron, thanks, bro. Thank you, Love man. you, bro. Appreciate you. Love yeah, you. So uh, I, I started hanging out at Exponential probably 2000. How many people have ever been at Exponential? Let's start there. Oh man, we all gonna drink the Kool-Aid today. <laughs> so I, the first year I was out the penitentiary, cliffhanger, <laughs> I went and watched Eternals last night, heck of a cliffhanger. So but anyway, um, I, was, I was introduced to Exponential by a dude um, named Ron Dostler. And the reason why um, like Exponential is really my tribe is because like I grew up in gang culture, so I'm an ex-gangbanger. And one of the things that Exponential and, and gangbanging ha has in common is multiplication, right? And I was thinking about this in my hotel room for today because a lot of times the, the professionals or the, or the practitioners that we 
look to for things like multiplication or how to church plant, how to be a missionary, how to disciple make. A lot of times we, we go to the gold standard Christian um, stars to help us understand or platform what, it, what multiplication means. I've been getting all my work and principles and practices that are very transferable from gang culture. Right. And one thing I love, I love about the, the principles, even in that is when you talk about and we'll get into it, but creating heroes is a, is a concept that if we if we capture it, it has explosive like the results are explosive in gang culture. It's like, you know, it's all about um, how many how many more areas can we multiply or how do we build a culture of identity so that we can protect this area and get about the mission of what we were about, bad analogies, but um, helpful in understand, at least in me understanding. And so somebody asked me the other day, how do you, with, with these churches that are reproducing, how do you find all these people? And I said, it's easy, I go back to the penitentiary. That's like my, um, you know how they have drafts? That's where I go draft people. <laughs> like, yeah, first, first round, second round, third round, fourth round. Um, and so, but I want to, I have a question for you. And I have a question. Um, Dave Ferguson wrote this book called Hero Maker. And one of the, one of the things he says is um, a guy told him, you know, it's cool if, Fruit can grow on my tree, but when fruit, when I can start getting fruit to grow on somebody else's tree, that's when we are really seeing impact that matters. When I first read this book, it, it um, revolutionized my life because I thought, man, like this is the missing link. This is the missing link to multiplication. It's the missing link to movement um, that, that we really need to see. And so we went back to our church and even put language in our core values. So we stand up in our gatherings every single Sunday and we have a creed. So some things trans over like in my hood, where I'm from, all of, we had a creed and a code. So I kind of adopted that and put that into the church, right? And so, but one of the things in our creed, we talk about being, being hero makers and raising up leaders everywhere we go, which is a big paradigm to grab hold of because we're fighting this tension. Even as I talked about yesterday, if you were here, that in the framework of level five is, you know, some, some churches are level one where they're declining, level two, they're plateauing, level three, you know, they're, they're just, addit, we call it addition, they're just growing by how many people are in the seats. Level four is reproducing, it's where a church or plant a church or invest in church planting, you know, ventures. And level five is really like churches that plant churches that plant churches. And the reason why that framework is so important to this is it's helpful in giving us steps to actually multiplying. One of the things Dave Ferguson talked about, which I want to have us take two to three minutes to move us into this first practice of hero making is this statement. And I don't know if you've ever been here. I think correctional excellence happens through my own leadership. That's one paradigm. I think correctional excellence happens through multiplied leaders. You see the shift? So the first practice is as leaders, we have to move from level three thinking 
to level four and level five thinking. My grandpa um, was 96, 97 when he died, and uh, I would go see him. And as soon as I walk in the room, he'd say this. He'd say, Myron, he said, you wouldn't be here if your mind didn't first bring you here first. I'd be like, man, I love them old school cats, man. They got these nuggets, man, you know? Um, but the point there is you're here because you first thought about it. And I think when it comes to hero making, multiplication thinking is essential. We have to actually go there. And Dave, Dave talks about this a lot, but we actually, if we're ever gonna get there in seeing movement, it has to start here in our thinking. So one of the practices that I think are, that's super dope um, that I want us to do real quick and exercise is I want you to get together with two people, maybe your neighbor, and I want to ask you this question. I want you to think about it. If God could do something great through you in your city and through people that you lead, thinking multiplication, what would it look like? If God could use you to multiply a movement as a hero maker, what would it look like? If you have one church or, in you, or you are one leader in your context, dream as big as you can in one minute. And if you have a paper, I want you to write it down and then I want you to actually converse with one another on what that could look like. We're actually trying to provoke apostolic imagination, okay? so. Um, in one minute, think about it, and then I want you to share with one another, what could multi a multiplication movement look like in my city if I took hero making, which is the first, uh, multiplication thing is the first practice, what could, what could that look like? This is so cool. I'd much rather have, yeah. I'm not the dude who, you know what I mean, just gonna be standing up giving information, like nobody's gonna remember that. <laughs> All right, so I have a question. This is amazing. I'll just let y'all keep talking. So let's start right here. What's your name? Oh, Michelle. Michelle. Yes. Ron. Ron. Have we met? You look familiar. Are you at, anyway, side note. <laughs> Michelle, right? Yes. Okay, Michelle, can you tell all of us what Ron shared with you about multiplication, if God could do something through him for others? Yeah. Why don't you stand up and tell us? Well, very cool. We have a from the same city, South Florida. Oh, nice. Oh, that was pretty neat. I don't live there now, but I know where he's from. And um, he shared that his church is in transition, and um, they have traditionally been known as a Haitian church in the area and he would like it to be more open to, so he's removing that name, to invite Spanish people and other people into his community in order to reach more people in his area. Mm. Kind of yeah. So, but yes, a lot of transition. And what did you learn about what she shared that's helpful for what you're doing? As far as, uh, she said her husband is also a minister and just moved into the Jacksonville area and kind of the same concept as uh, getting rid of all, all transi tr traditions in order to win more people over for Christ mm. uh, on the system they're trying to set up. Mm. Fantastic. Thank you. All right. Um, right here.
Tell me your name again. Ryan. Ryan, what did Thomas, Thomas share that was inspiring? Yeah, I just, um, I mean, Thomas was saying how he can, he's going to really focus on trying to replicate himself in, uh, you know, ordinary people over the next 12, 12 months. And how, how does he really um, reproduce himself in people? And then really from a church perspective, we're part of one church, two campuses. Um, and then how do we, you know, what's the system or the model to go to three to four to five? And when does his campus go to the, you know, plant another campus um, and really be thinking about that system so we can be ready for it when it comes? Hmm. Good. Yeah, very, very similar because we have a lot of the same dreams, ideas. But uh, one thing he said was um, reproducing himself from one to three people over the course of the next year. So being able to look back after this year and go one to three people have been able to see the way Ryan lives his life, been able to model it, replicate it, and are doing it in their everyday lives as well. Really good. So in American Christianity, um, we live in an additional, we live in an, in an addition culture. I mean, it is like, and I talked about it yesterday, how to break 200, how to break 500, how to break through the 1000 barrier, all addition thinking. My question is, if, if we're all raised up under this type of culture where it's ingrained in us, the idea of addition is in the very fabric and systems and structures of some of our organizations, which is why we keep getting the same results. It's built that way. We've built an engine of addition. So the question is, if we're in, if we're running an engine of addition and I'm thinking addition, what, how, how would you take this paradigm, this practice and put it into practice? How, like, how do we help shift the, our own thinking into multiplication? What are some, what are some ways that we, cause I, I'd like us to walk away with a, with a game plan this morning. You feel me? So how do you see this? practice working itself out practically what are some ways that we can really shift into multiplication thinking our word was intentionality and i think it's going to start with that i mean i think we have to be intentional about making that shift it's so easy just to go into the office every day and do what we do you know and how would you, how would you measure intentionality daily in terms of, of tasks and being on task and being sure that the tasks that we're doing are, are related and moving in the direction of intentionality. So reviewing, reviewing, reviewing what's on my agenda and putting it under intense scrutiny on are these tasks additional addition tasks or multiplication tasks? Really good. Thinking about um, Thinking differently in how we appropriate resources, right? Because the first thing, if, if I go back to, to the group of leaders that I serve with, and we talk about the church plant, which has just not been in our vocabulary for the last 50 years, just being honest, and it's sad to say. But if I go talking about that, the first question is, well, how could you afford that? How do we do that? Right? You know what I mean? Yes. So. so Intentionally, we talked about that same thing. In fact, that's part of our mission statement at our church. Um, intentionally saying we're going to appropriate, allocate resources and leaders to this thinking, this this idea. You know, because we'll never get there if it's just an idea. But if we, you know, we're getting ready to go through our budget process. If we say let's allocate some resources to this thinking, this idea, right. 
something they change? So I love what he said. We have to impose behaviors on us that will restrict us from thinking addition. Now, again, we're not against addition. You can't even get to multiplication without addition. You feel where I'm coming from? But one thing that I, that I think, think you said that's important is um, because wherever we spend our money on is what we value the most, that what would it look like if we, 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 we looked at our budget and we said, you know what? We're spending zero on multiplication. Let's just, let's spend 1% this next year. Or whatever that team decides that, hey, if we're going to get into multiplication thinking, if this is the outcome here, then we're going to move to 1%. That's great. In the back. The problem with addition is most addition comes from somebody else's church. Transfer growth. Yeah, it's not addition. It's just... <clears throat> Attrition. You know, yes. Which is coming from somewhere else. So what, <coughs> what I would like to, for you to talk about for a minute is how you find people who are seeking. Okay, so great question. All right. In environments like this, um, we're all leaders, right? And one of the things that I, even, even in the way we've shifted, because even as we talk about church planting, in our church, there's probably only less than 10% of people who are gonna plant churches, if that. I'd even say like three to 4% people who are gonna plant churches or be pastors, which means we have a whole, we have 96% of people who are just showing up in a seat, right? So when we talk about how do we, how do we move to get people who are far from Christ, I have to, as a, as a leader, decide I need to train and mobilize everybody in my church versus a select group of people that we put on a track in a church planting residency. So, for example, how that looks for us, um, we, we've done a whole church planting residency, man. We've, we've planted churches. We have churches all over. It's super dope and amazing. But one of the shifts I took in multiplication just right here is what does Linda, who doesn't have a high school education, lives in the hood by herself right down the street from a school? How do we train Linda to be a multiplier? And so we, 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 we actually rebuilt our whole platform to focus on training missionaries in our church. Every, so, good question. So, I found Linda because we started out thinking multiplication. I went online and I, and I looked and I said, how many inner cities are there in America? That's multiplication thinking. I said, our dream is, to, is to, 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 to start diverse whole field churches in every inner city. I had to go to the end first because I don't have any direction if I don't, have, if I don't know where I'm going. So I said, well, I found out that there's probably about 500 plus inner cities that we would characterize by poverty, high crime, right, et cetera. That's where I went on what, what Dave Ferguson would, would call our dream napkin, napkin, that every inner city. And then I started reverse engineering our strategy. 
If there are okay, and if there are 500, I'm right here in Omaha. North North Omaha is 70,000 people. I'm going to split my inner city up into what we call villages. And we're going to start right here in village one. Where I was literally born at. I was born in village one. This is the emphasis. I'm a person of peace. I'm indigenous. The way to find Linda is to find people of peace who look like Linda. So we broke down. We went to we went from macro to micro and we planted ourselves in a demo in, 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 um, in a village. That's about we, it's about two to three thousand people in this village. And we got busy figuring out that the I grew up in the hood. We figured out in the hood that there are people who are couch surfing, mass incarceration, right? Mass incarceration is huge. So we said, just like Mark 5, Jesus told, dude, you don't come with me. I want you to actually go back to where you came from. So I went back to the penitentiary, partnered with a mega church who wanted to do justice. I said, the best way for you to do justice isn't to invite me to speak. You don't need another black face on your platform. What we need you to do is people who are couch surfing need a place to live. So there's a house in our village right across the street from our building. I want you to take your money and buy it. After you take your money and buy it, I want you to donate it to us, justice, using your advantages. Then I want you to renovate it. I want you to bring up the property value in our village. And then after you bring up the property value in our village, we're going to go minister to the very same people where I came from into the penitentiary. And then we're going to provide them safety right here. And we're going to disciple them. And as we disciple them, we're going to raise them up and help them understand that they are that, that they're missionaries and that they're leaders that you don't have to go back to the penitentiary. And as we walk with them and they discover who God has created them to be, then in this village, we can send them out to the next, which is what, what exactly happened six months from, from when this new church planting work happened. And then after six, then after like another six months, there was another, um, another <laughs> leader that came from this church and went over here to this village, village like eight, like 11 or something. I'm, I'm losing it. And then, and then all of a sudden out of this came the next six months. So it's like this crazy thing that's been happening. And then all of a sudden God busted my paradigm and he said, Eve, you're thinking even too small. You're thinking geographic. I need you to also be thinking affinity. I, so, so the people who are coming out of your church, Myra, who are hip hop artists, I don't just want them to go into different villages. I actually want them to go into different industries that have been affected by the inner city. And so we're drafting people from villages. We're drafting people from penitentiaries. We're drafting people from gangs. The other thing we did here um, that we figured out in a village that, that's happening is poverty, right? So why, how, how do we leverage and, and reach people like that? Well, um, we've been taught that give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. We've been taught that, right? We've been taught, teach them how to fish, you feed them for a lifetime. That's only two thirds of an equation that's missing out. What do I mean by that? We don't need to just give people fish. That's not dignity, actually. We don't just need to teach people how to fish. That's just development. We actually need to show them how to own the pond. 
It's a different way of thinking. When I, when, when that, and, and then all of a sudden when I said, wow, if we could teach them how to own the pond, that's multiplication and thinking. What do I mean? Best way to stop a bullet in North Omaha is to help a man start a business. So what did we do? We built an entrepreneurship incubator so that when people from, from our villages see an incubator, they don't even see Mission Church. They see Shift Omaha. You can go to it right now, shiftomaha.com, right? And so we built this, um, this incubator 2017, I'm sorry, 2019. To date, over 25 different entrepreneurs, $1.5 million in revenue in North Omaha. That is ridiculously insane. You, you, you don't even hear about that. These are people who are in poverty, people who have been written off as gangbangers and pimps and prostitutes and hustlers, right? And so out of that initiative, out of that kind of missional thinking, we got guys who are not only leading businesses, but these cats are Christ followers. So I turned one of the dudes who got out the federal penitentiary, was in a penitentiary for, him, for, for, for sex trafficking. He was a pimp. Got out, we connected, Right. And as we connected, I started discipling him as I started discipling him, helped him understand that what he was doing, yes, was wrong. But the principles of delegation, right, are transferable. The principles of learning how to build a team are transferable. You just were doing it wrong. And then he and then he goes through our it's really a discipleship piece out of that. He launches his own company. And not only is he launching his own company, I brought him back, right? Most, um, I brought him back to actually lead as our recruiter. So he's a business leader, but he's also a Shift Omaha recruiter. Ties to, to every gang in North Omaha. What did I do? Impact and movement happens through multiply leaders. Right. And so the key for me is indigenous leadership. I have to first think macro, reverse engineer the micro and then work my plan. Right. Like that for me, that's really the. The thing and, and this this works, this works in tandem with this second practice. I think this second practice is like my favorite permission given, which we're going to practice. Remember when Jesus, when Peter showed up to Jesus and um, Jesus was like, man, your name, Peter. I honestly think sometimes Jesus had to be black, like not black. I know he I know he has some melanin, but I'm saying black from North Omaha black, because in the hood where I grew up, everybody got a nickname. Based on something like whether you're tall or short, I got a homie nickname, we call him Lanky. You know, well, because he's just tall and skinny. You know what I mean? Um, but everybody, everybody got a nickname. Jesus did the same thing with Peter, with Simon. He's like, yo, man, your name Peter, dog. What did he do? He said what he was what he was demonstrating is I see something in you. In this practice, I want to see what I can do through my own leadership. I want to see what I can do through others and let them know what I see in them has been probably the most liberating, powerful um, forms of practices that I that I've ever been a part of. And it happened to me. Right. It happened to me. So when I when I um, was transitioning out to penitentiary, I met a white dude um, named Ron 
And uh, he was leading some kind of nonprofit in North Omaha, and he had heard, heard about me, and we sat down, and uh, he, he looks across the room, um, and he says, you know what, I think God wants to do something through you and through your story. Previous to that, I had applied to work at this nonprofit, and the only, the only um, qualifications I had were my prison jobs. So I have built my resume based on my prison experience. And this nonprofit that is in North Omaha didn't even call me back. They didn't even call me back. Why? Because they have a, a, uh, a policy in place that prevents them from hiring indigenous people who've been in the penal system. But Ron removes the policy initiates the meeting, sits down with me and says, I see something in you so powerful that I need to get behind it. And the reason why this is so important is because like it's easy to stand up and preach all the sermons or it's easy to stand up and come up with all the ideation or all the strategies, but it like takes a humble leader who will say, you know what, I see, some, I see something in you. And this is actually what I see in you. I was with my friend Ralph Moore. Who knows Ralph Moore? See, that's so dope. Only one person in here know who Ralph Moore is. This, this is, is an exact example of what I'm talking about. Ralph Moore back in the 70s um, started getting involved in making disciples um, in Hawaii. And uh, to date, Ralph is on our exponential team, but to date, Ralph is the father of the Hope Chapel movement in America, Japan, um, and a few other countries. And over at that time, a couple years ago, over 2,300 churches have been planted. 250,000 people have come to faith in Christ. And you know how he did it? CNN others. And, and, and it's so crazy because I'm here in this room because of Ralph. One of the exponential, one of the exponential events I was at, I ran into Ralph. Ralph sat me down. We had some conversation. I run a, um, a marketing company and, and, Ralph, and Ralph says to Todd Wilson, who's the, um, who leads exponential, he says, hey, I think you should check this kid out from North Omaha. I think he could help Exponential's digital marketing go to the next level. What did Ralph do? He saw something in me that needed to be platformed. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a minute apiece. And I know you may not know the person that, um, that you're maybe sitting across from, or maybe you do. Um, but I want you to, I want you, you two to, to share each other, to share your stories with one another in 30 seconds. You have 30 seconds to share your story. And then once that person shares their story, then I want you to say, you know what? This is what I see in you. We're going to practice it. You got it? So share your story, 30 seconds. The other person is going to tell you what they see in you, and then you do it back. Is that cool? Okay. You can't share with somebody you know. All right, come on.
Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website, it's actually a community for disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today. All right. So, so I literally, I see this is why I hate doing this. Because so I love doing it, actually. It's like, because people just get, we need like two hours, you know what I mean? We only have 14 minutes left. This is great. You know what? Maybe I may not even get through it, and then we'll leave everybody hungry for the rest. So the author, um, I, shot, uh, I shot Dave Ferguson a, a quick text and said, hey, man, super, th- super thankful um, to, to be teaching this, and, and dude was amazing. I spent some time with him a couple weeks ago here, actually, a, a month or two ago here, and uh, He's that kind of leader, like, you know, you know how re- people write books from theory and others write books from practice. And um, so he told me to give you a message. Um, he said he wants to give everybody in this training a free, um, the, the free videos and discussion guide for this. So um, write, write this email down and this tell them Myron, hey Dave, Myron sent me, let, let me get what's free. <laughs> So, so Dave Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, at newthing.org. So you get all the videos, all the discussion questions. Dave Ferguson at newthing.org. Get it all for free. Newthing.org. So shoot me an email and... Um, He'll get it to you. Was that fun? Something, something, something explodes in us when we hear from others what they see in us. The power, about, the power of this practice is it's easy. It doesn't cost anything but our time. Right? And so um, I, I want to spend more time on that, but I just can't. This one, this one right here, this practice of disciple multiplying, um, I'm thankful for, for forums like this because we're, we're encouraged and inspired to, to begin to think disciple-making. But um, it's easy to, to stand on a platform and spew information and gain followers or gain influence, right? But what if the shift in our thinking and in our practicing isn't what I know to gain more followers, but how I can share my life so that we can deploy more leaders. Um, I have a friend, 
His name is uh, BK. BK grew up in inner city, uh, Kansas City. Uh, we crossed paths a couple years ago, and um, it was it was a, a crossroad for me in my in my thinking of multiplication. I think I had just gotten back from an exponential conference actually, and I was super hyped and super pumped about what I was learning in, in this whole hero making thing, and. I went back and I looked at my schedule and um, one thing that never lie, two things that never lie, your checkbook and your schedule, <laughs> right? And um, I'm fully involved in my community at a lot of levels. But one thing I had to come to grips with was what was I spending my time on that really resulted in multiplication? Just went right to my schedule. And so what I did if you were here yesterday, I told the people, I took my sermon prep and I cut it by 90%. <laughs> I, like legitly cut it by 90%. I threw topical preaching out the window. And then I filled my calendar with people. And Brandon was one of those people was shot, survived it, ended up in Omaha, started meeting with Brandon. And then as I met with Brandon, he gave his life to Christ, super dope. And then Brandon, as we're doing life, and it's not just me sharing life, but it's him sharing his life with me. Brandon, I set a precedent, I said, Brandon, I'm going to pour my life into you. But the moment you refuse to pour your life into somebody else, I'm done with you. Like, I, I had to set a boundary. And I think if disciple multiplying is actually going to take place, we have to set boundaries with people up front. Because if we don't, they just they look at us like Google, a place they can come and just consume. And I don't want you to come and just consume. I want you to come and contribute. And I want the relationship to be reciprocal. Now, let me tell you where BK's at today. Just under two years, BK is discipling others. He has, he has a, like a group of about 10 guys Those guys are discipling guys, and though like it's down to the fourth generation in two years, a little slower than than other countries, but that's pretty fast in America. And let me tell you about what he's doing now. He started a missional organization <laughs> called Alliance Sports Training, and he's training inner city kids to give them an opportunity at life. And it all started because we just decided to be friends and that I would cut my schedule. And now he's doing the same thing. And along the way, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad for our friendship. And I think the missing link to disciple multiplying, if we're not careful, we can mask it, we can mask disciple multiplying as a program 
and miss is actually a friendship. Disciple making is about friendship. And I go on and on about stories um, about disciple multiplying, but the key here is I'm not just giving information to gain more influence and traction with people following me. I'm actually sharing my life so that other people can lead. That's the practice right there. We have six minutes. Gift activating is my favorite. It's my favorite. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you a story. So, okay. So me using my gifts, you using your gifts, super dope. God gave us gifts, we're supposed to use them, right? That, like that's cool. But the moment I say, I see like you are gifted and I want to like see that gift happen, yes. That's what like, that's where my priority wants to be. So like super practical. One of my guys found out that uh, he, was, uh, he was in the army. So our church is not just all black people. It's black people, white people, brown people. We're pretty diverse. So this guy, his name's Dustin. He got a nickname hanging out with me. Uh, I call him Chap. Chap was a, a, uh, a guy, in the, um, a chaplain in the army. So he got his nickname, right? Pretty quiet guy. And uh, he's, in, he's in one of my discipleship groups. And come to find out, he's, he was in the army, he was a chaplain. And then as we're like spent hanging out, maybe like in month two, he says, yeah, I was kind of, I kind of, he revealed, I'm the chaplain. And instantly my thinking was, oh my God, we have to release him. It was on a Saturday that we met when I found out he was a chaplain. You might not want to listen to me after today, but I'm just telling you what I did. I said, hey, man, um, how about you take the uh, pulpit tomorrow? <laughs> 24 hours. He looks at me like, what? I said, yeah, like, won't you share tomorrow? I even changed the way the language I use in our church. I don't want people to think um, preaching, giving a sermon is some holy practice that only professionals can partake in. So he gets up, shares the next day, and blows it out the water. There are people sitting in our seats who are gifted but policies, procedures, processes are often the culprits from mobilizing our people into their gifting. And so my question is, in your context, whether you're vocationally full, a full-time vocational leader, I can go on and on with this one. This is super dope because I love it. How can you position people who are gifted and accelerate what God is doing in their life? That's really dope. Um, this one is fun, too, because kingdom building as a practice is all about measurement. What are you measuring? Right. What what are you valuing as priority? The idea of man. 
pra practically. Oh man, like 30 people showed up to my breakout. I could measure that. They're probably measuring that here right now, actually. Maybe, I don't know. How many people showed up to the hero making, uh, you know, session? Right? Because what that does to me is like, oh man, yeah, I'm somebody. Not. Versus measuring how many people downloaded Dave Ferguson's free videos for hero making. See the difference? Because, because that, that metric becomes important because it gives me information that I can use and that we can use together to actually see movement happen. And then I can measure how many people actually watch the video. How many people actually, um, how many minutes did they spend? One metric. Who did they share the videos with? All of a sudden, we can go back to Bobby Harrington and say, hey, listen, man, at this breakout, there were tons of breakouts that happened at the discipleship forum. But let's talk about the results that happened in the hero making um, breakout session. People came. We had dialogue. How many people? And, and then from that dialogue, they downloaded the videos. And then from those videos, you know, they um, they gathered a small group. And then from that small group, they took their small group to Orlando in March. And then the small group that they took to Orlando in March got got empowered. And now they're going to actually send out 20 percent of the people that they brought to the exponential conference in March. Those are metrics that are worth following. And so for for the whole idea of kingdom building, what could be super amazing is simply. What do I need to rearrange in my value system that will help me move forward in God's kingdom? It's nine o'clock. I want to be mindful of your time. I'll stand by. I'll stay back. Um, if anybody wants to chat, please, let's hang out in Orlando in March. I think there's a discount, a discounted rate right now. Um, you don't want to miss that. So let me pray. And if, if anybody want to hang out, we can do it. Um, Lord, thank you for, uh, man, this rich time. I think it's rich time of conversation and learning and questions and feedback. It's all a great opportunity for us. And I pray that these practices go from a simple presentation to practice, from presentation to practice. I pray that every single one of us would um, maybe look at one practice that we may be deficient in and decide over the next seven days to build a plan around it that ultimately we can build a life around. In Christ's name, amen. All right, thanks folks. Thanks for coming. Awesome stuff from Myron. I really appreciated the last three episodes. They were fantastic in my humble opinion. Hey, I just wanna remind you before I sign off here, two things. Number one, mark your calendars for October 5th and 6th for the upcoming forum this year, 2022. Also go to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free account today. All right, y'all, thanks so much for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.